Now, today we are ending our series that we've been in over the past five weeks or so called Revealed. And I hope this has been a good series for you. I hope this has been a very informative series as we've been talking about different names of God and what those names reveal to us about him. Because most often we have the wrong perception of God. And as we've looked at these names, it's giving us a better understanding of who God really is. And here are the names that we've looked at so far in this series. We've looked at Elohim, which means strong creator and sustainer of life. We've looked at Yahweh, which can also be translated Jehovah, which talks about God's ever presence in our lives. We looked at El Roy, which means the God who sees me. We looked at Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide, not the Lord might provide, the Lord will provide. And then we looked last week at Yahweh Shalom, the Lord is peace. And this is just a sampling of the names of God found in scripture. There are many more names that we haven't looked at. We haven't looked at Adonai. We haven't looked at El Shaddai. We haven't looked at El Elyon. Uh, We haven't looked at Jehovah Nishi, uh, Jehovah Rapha. We haven't looked at Jehovah Sid canoe. And if you didn't know that God had a canoe, you need to read the Bible because <laughs> you learn stuff like that. You need to come to church. You learn stuff like that. Thanks for kind of laughing at my corny joke. I might have a few more corny jokes for you this morning. If you find one, feel free to laugh. It makes me feel better. But here's uh, an interesting thing about this list that we have here. Two of these names were given to us by God when he was saying to us, let me introduce myself to you. I am Elohim, strong creator and sustainer of life. I am Yahweh. I am who I am. I am ever present in your life. There is never a moment, there is never a time when I am not there. Now, these other names that we've looked at were given to God by people who had significant interactions with him. So Hagar named God El Roy in a time when she was lost in the wilderness, didn't know what to do, didn't know where to turn. And she said, God, you found me. God, you see me. God, you care about me. And then Abraham gave God the name Jehovah Jireh in a moment where he needed God to provide. God had asked him uh, to give up the most significant thing in his life. And that was his relationship with his son. And God provided for him a ram in that moment when he needed it, exactly what he needed, exactly when he needed it. And so Abraham said, you are Jehovah Jireh, and you will provide. And then last week, we learned about Gideon naming God Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. And Gideon had no peace until he had a significant interaction with God, watched God do what only God can do brought peace to him, brought peace to the nation of Israel. And so as I was thinking through that, the names that these people have given to God, I wondered for us, if you have a relationship with God, what name would you give God? What description would you give to describe how God has been God to you? And I'm just curious this morning, if we can just kind of open this up for share time. If you're watching online, you can type your answer in the chat. But if, if you are a Christ follower and you were to give God a description or a name, what description would that be based upon what he's done for you? It's Debbie. Everything. Say that again. My everything. My everything. I love that. Protector. Protector. Rescuer. Rescuer. Counselor. Counselor. My father. What was that? My father. Father. Great. 
Guide? Healer. Healer? Faithful. Faithful? Waymaker. Waymaker. Great. Love it. So your first homework assignment, and there'll be others today, is to spend some time thinking about that. Spend some time thinking, God, how would I describe you? Uh, what, what kind of name would I give you based upon our relationship? And then tell somebody else about it. Tell somebody else who God is for you to help them have a better understanding of who God really is and who he can really be for all of us. Now, today we're going to explore what I think is the most personal name for God. And if you're somebody who hears that and pushes back a little bit and thinks like, I don't know if God exists, but if he does exist, he's probably not personal. Everything that maybe you know about God is maybe he's a distant God, maybe he's a God to be feared, uh, maybe he's a God who only likes us when we grovel at his feet. And if you think that about God, you're not alone. Many people have thought that about God for thousands of years. Actually, even God's specially chosen people, the Israelites, had that view of God, that he was distant that he was demanding, that he was somebody to be worshiped from afar, not a God to come to know personally at all. But then Jesus came along and he said, God's not like that. Jesus was our representation of God to the world, of God the Father. And he said, listen, he's not like that. And so then he began to describe God the Father to us, and he described God the Father to his disciples when he taught them how to talk to God. That's called prayer. So if you're new to faith or you're new to prayer, you might think like, can like just a you know normal person have a conversation with God? Yes, you can. And Jesus showed us how to do that. Like we can have a, a conversation with a friend. And so in Matthew chapter six, Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray and still teaching us how to pray today. He says in verse nine, he says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food that we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Isn't that a beautiful prayer? Anybody ever heard that prayer before? All right, that is the most famous prayer in the entire world, given to us by Jesus. Uh, let me tell you something else that Jesus actually talked about uh, around the context of this prayer. He said, when you're having a conversation with God, don't just get caught up in the words. Don't make it a formula. Don't get wrapped up in specific words and pray these words only thinking that there's something supernatural just about the words and that God, God's attention is, is attained when we pray these specific words. He said, that's empty and hollow. So there's nothing wrong with praying those specific words, but God cares about the condition of our heart and our minds as we're conversing with him, as we're having that conversation. So Jesus gave us this prayer as a model prayer to teach us how to have a conversation with God how to interact with him. And it's interesting how he started that conversation. He said, listen, when you talk to God, talk to him as your father. So you can come to God and say, um, my father in heaven. For most of us who are familiar with this prayer, uh, maybe you've heard it since you were a child and you've grown up with it and it's become a cherished thing for us. 
But I don't think that we can fully grasp how radical of a statement this was from Jesus when he first introduced it to his original audience. Again, the Jews at that time, when Jesus was teaching them this, they would have thought that God was a God from a distance, a God to be worshiped from afar, that he was demanding, he was not someone to know personally, and they would have thought that this personal name for God would have been something that would be way too disrespectful. But the word father that Jesus used in this context is the Aramaic word Abba. And Abba isn't just the word father. Abba is the word father, but it's also the word dad. And it's presented in a personal, loving context. So if you can imagine Jesus saying to his disciples and still saying to us today, God the Father is like a loving dad that you can be in a relationship with. Now, I know when I say that, for some of us, we push back a little bit. We push back a little bit because of our relationship with our earthly fathers. And uh, we do this interesting thing with God. We often project onto God whatever our relationship is like with our earthly dad. If your relationship with your dad is good, then we often project onto God, well, uh, our relationship with him must be good. He must be a good dad as well. If your relationship with your earthly father is not good, if he was absent from your life, if he was abusive in your life, if he was too busy for you, if he didn't have time for engaging you in a meaningful way, often we project that on to God and think that that's what God is like. So, how many dads do we have here? Would you raise your hand? If you're, again, if you're watching online, you can type that in. Hold your hands up for just a second. All right, so if you're a dad, the weight of that should impact you deeply. How we interact with our kids will often be how our kids interact with God. I have four kids. There are moments that I pray, Lord, be with them because I have screwed up as a dad. I have not modeled well what it looks like for them to interact with you as a loving father because there are moments I have not been loving enough. There are moments I have not been tender. There are moments I have not been caring enough. And so, um, and that, that weighs heavy on my heart. The reality is none of us can be perfect parents. Whether you're a dad or you're a mom, guess what? You're not going to be perfect. It's not possible. The only perfect parent there is, is Abba, our Heavenly Father. And we can learn from him in how to be a better parent for our kids. So dads, are you interacting with your children how you want them to interact with God? Are you interacting with your children how you want them to interact with God? It's a humbling question for us to really process. Here's another question that applies to all of us. The question is this, are you interacting with God as Jesus revealed him? Or are you interacting with God based on your earthly dad who couldn't live up to the dad that God is? Those are two different things. 
So are you interacting with God as Jesus revealed him, or as we've learned in this series, or as scripture reveals God to us, that he's personal, that he sees you, that he cares about you, that he loves you, that he will provide for you? Are you interacting with him based upon those things? Or are you interacting with him based upon your earthly father who could not, it's not possible for your earthly father, even if he was a good dad, it's not possible for him to live up to the great dad that God the Father is? It's a great question for us to chew on. I want you to listen to how King David, the second king of the nation of Israel, described God. In Psalm 68, five, he said, father to the fatherless, defender of widows, this is God whose dwelling is holy. So if you don't have a relationship with your earthly father, guess what? God wants to step into that for you. He wants to step into that role. He wants to be your heavenly father. And if you're in a spot where you feel like you need protection, like if you're a widow, maybe you're a widower, maybe you're a single parent, maybe you've lost your your parents and you feel like you're all alone, like you're an, an orphan in life, God wants to step in and be your father. God wants to step in and protect you and defend you in times when you need to be defended. Then in verse six, David goes on and he says, God places the lonely in families. You know, God's the one who came up with the idea of family. It was his idea. And he wants us to be a part of his family. He cares about people who don't have parents. He cares about people who are lonely. He cares about people who feel overlooked in life. He cares so much. He wants to be a loving heavenly father for us. And he invites us to be a part of his family. And then Psalms 103 verse 13 says, the Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate. Your dad may not have been tender. He may not have been compassionate. But your heavenly father is those things. And he wants you to experience those things as you interact with him. And you know, it's interesting to me that God revealed himself as a loving heavenly father when he could have revealed himself in many other ways. He could have revealed himself as a mighty warrior. And he is that. He could have revealed himself as a just king. And he's that as well. He could have revealed himself as the ultimate politician who always fulfills his campaign promises. And don't we wish we had more of that today? (laughs) He, He does that. He is that. But he said, listen, here's how I want you to to view me. Here's how I want you to interact with me. Here's how I want you to know me as a loving heavenly father who cares very much about you. I care so much. I want you to be a part of my family. So listen to how the Apostle Paul expands this family concept and describes the heart and actions of Abba Father in Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 3, he says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. And then get verse 4. He says, Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us. 
What was God thinking about before the creation of the world? He was thinking about you. He was thinking about me. He was thinking about his incredible love for us. If you've never felt loved before, guess what? God loves you. If you've never felt chosen before, guess what? God chooses you. You are loved. You are chosen by the creator of the world. Verse five continues and says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he's poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. I've spoken with some people who've adopted children, and they've told me that the price of adopting a child is not cheap. It's pretty expensive. And yet their love for this child and their desire to be in a relationship with this child and their desire to provide a home for this child far exceeds any price tag that they could pay. So think about God in that context when he came to adopt us and decided in advance to adopt us into his family. When he saw the price tag, he didn't stutter. He didn't stumble. He didn't try to renegotiate the price. The price tag to adopt us into his family was everything he had. So God pulled out his wallet and he emptied it through the death, burial, and resurrection of his son, his innocent son. He paid for us. He paid for our freedom. He paid for our adoption through his son so that we could be a part of his forever family. He paid the ultimate price for you because you matter that much. You matter that much to God. You may not have felt that way before. You may not feel that way right now. But I'm here to tell you that's the truth of scripture. That's the truth of God's heart for you. He paid the ultimate price because he wants you to be a part of his family. Now, whenever I talk about God's family in a context like this, I feel like it's really important to clarify some bad theology that's out there. And this is something that I hear from Christ followers and non-Christians alike. I often hear people say, we are all God's children. Anybody ever heard that before? All right, maybe you've heard that, maybe you've said that. That is a nice sounding statement that is not true. It's not true. And the Apostle John actually tells us how we can become children of God because the, the reality is we are all creations of God, we are all created by him, but we're not all children of God until we do what John tells us. In John chapter one, verse six, and he gives us this introduction and leads up to this point in verse 12. He says, God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world, and he's talking about Jesus. Verse 10, he says, he meaning Jesus came into the very world he created and the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him, but to all who, what's that next word? 
but to all who believed. And what's that next word? Accepted him. He gave the right to become children of God. So we become children of God when we believe what Jesus has done for us and the ultimate price that God has paid for us. That's when we become children of God and when we accept him as our personal Lord and Savior. I don't mean to step on any toes today, but we can't count on what somebody else has done for us for us to have a relationship with God. We can't. So maybe you were baptized as an infant and maybe you grew up in that religious system and maybe you believe that when you die, you'll be welcomed into God's forever family because of that event that happened in a time in your life when you don't remember it happening. I'm here to tell you, all that did for you was it got you wet as a baby and probably made you cry. <laughs> Again, I don't mean to be offensive about this, uh, and I know there's religious systems that believe this deeply. I don't see this in scripture. We've got to make a personal decision to follow Jesus. And you've got to be old enough to make that decision. You've got to be old enough to understand what Jesus did on the cross for you and to accept him into your life as your personal Lord and Savior. You can't count on what somebody else has done. You can't count on what somebody else believes. You can't stand before God and say, you should let me into your heaven, into your forever family, because my parents made that decision for themselves. And they wish that I would make that decision. You can't. You've got to make that decision for yourself. You've got to say, I want that. You got to say, I want to be adopted into God's family. That's the interesting thing about adoption when it comes to God. He paid the ultimate price, and then he leaves the decision in our hands. He says, you decide if you want to be adopted. If you don't, just say no. If you do, it comes through understanding the payment that was made for you. Understanding what Jesus did, believing in him, and accepting him as your personal Lord and Savior. If you've made that decision, you are a child of God. You're part of his family. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. It says, this is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants, what's that next word? Everyone, Everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. The, the word saved here is a, a, a religious context. It's a spiritual word that talks about eternal life. It talks about being saved from hell, being saved for heaven. And again, how many people does God want to make that decision? Everyone. God extends adoption to everyone. There is not a person alive, there's not a person who ever lived, there's not a person who will ever live that adoption doesn't apply to. That, that God didn't pay the price for. There's not a person that you will ever interact with, no matter what you think about them. There's not a person you'll ever interact with for whom this does not apply. He wants everyone to come to understand the truth, to understand how to have a relationship with him. Again, we become children of God when we believe in what Jesus has done. We accept him as our Lord and Savior. And I wonder today, are you a child of God? Not just are you a creation of God. Are you a child of God? Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior? If you have, guess what? God is your loving Heavenly Father. He's available to you every day. And He's tender, He's merciful, He's kind, He's compassionate, 
He's gracious. When you pass from this life into the next, guess what? You will run into the arms of your loving dad. He will scoop you up and he will say, well done. Welcome home, my child. If you've not made that decision, today can be your adoption day. Today can be the day that you say, yes, I'm in. I want that. I want a relationship with God. I'm going to talk more about that in just a minute. But we're about to transition into communion together. And as we celebrate communion, this is a special time. Uh, It's a special time for us to do something that Jesus modeled for us over 2,000 years ago. It's a sacrament. Uh, We get to engage and remind ourselves of the ultimate price that was paid for our adoption and remind ourselves that Jesus is coming back. He's coming back one day soon. And we will be able to be a part of God's forever family. And again, I think that's coming soon. So if you are new with us, we believe here at Epic that communion should be open to anyone who's put their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So if you've done that in the past, if you make that decision today, we invite you to celebrate communion with us. And if you're watching online and you're wishing you would be here with us, we wish you were here with us as well. But you can still celebrate communion. Uh, it'd be a little bit more convenient if, if you were at home because you'd have access to your kitchen. And what I would encourage you to do while I'm talking to our campus here, you can just go to your kitchen. You can get some communion elements. You can get some juice. You could get some milk. Uh, you could get some water. You could get some bread. You could get some crackers. And you could get prepared for communion. So I encourage you to do that while I'm talking to our campus here. Now, for those of us here, um, let me just say, every once in a while, when I, when I talk about that, in that context of people celebrating communion personally uh, at their home, not in a church context, uh, I get a little pushback. Sometimes people say, like, can we like, really do that? Is God going to strike us down if we you know, don't have communion at a church or under a pastor, under a priest, or if we don't have the communion elements that are sanctioned by the church? Um, Remember, God is compassionate and merciful, and communion is symbolic. It's not about this legalism. Um, And again, I know that there are faith systems that teach that there's something super special about the, the elements that happen in a church context. I get that. I mean no disrespect. But I do believe in scripture. We have a lot of freedom. You could celebrate communion on your own at home. You could celebrate communion with your family. You could celebrate communion with your small group. We celebrated communion with our tech team uh, and our worship team, our lighting team, our media team, between the services. I think we've got a lot of freedom to celebrate communion. And so I encourage people to engage that personally uh, as I think it's a, a personal thing as well as a corporate thing that we can celebrate here. Now, for those of us who are on campus, we've got... Six different stations set up. We have two stations up front. We've got four stations in the back. And uh, if you're in the back, they're on the wings, on the side uh, tables over there. And there's little baskets. And in the baskets are these communion cups. These are super convenient. Uh, There's actually two tops and two bottoms to them. If you look at one side, you'll find uh, the little wafer that's there with a lid that you can remove and then celebrate communion there. And that wafer represents Christ's body, which was broken for you. 
And then on the other side is some juice that's symbolic. It represents Christ's blood, which was poured out for you. And when you come up to celebrate communion in the context of our closing worship song today, our worship team is going to lead us through a song called Run to the Father. And there's several ways that you can engage communion and this song as we end. So if you have a relationship with God as your loving Heavenly Father and you have a good relationship with him, I encourage you to celebrate that through communion. So when you come up, you can get your communion elements, you can go sit back down, you can stand off to a side, and you can take communion during the context of this song. And when the song finishes, everybody should have taken communion. But if you have a great relationship with God as your, your, your father, celebrate that today. Run up to him today and say, God, thank you for the price that you've paid for me. Thank you for our relationship. Thank you that I can have a relationship with you. Just celebrate today. If you have a relationship with God as your father, but it's not a great relationship because maybe you're mad at him or maybe you think he's mad at you, run to him today. Use this time to symbolically run to him and fix that stuff that's broken. Like he's not gone anywhere. He's not demeaning or demanding. He's not distant. He's here. He's waiting. He's a loving heavenly father who wants you to come running back to him so he can pour out his grace and his mercy and his favor on you. You could do that during the song. For others of you, maybe God is not your father. And yet, after listening to today's message, maybe you recognize you want him to be. You want to be adopted. You believe in what Jesus has done for you. You believe the, the ultimate price that God paid for you, and you want to accept him as your personal Lord and Savior. So as you come and celebrate communion today, that would be a wonderful time to run to your father. So just think about the context of that. Here you are, an orphan. You're an orphan in the world. And God says, listen, I've paid the ultimate price for you. I want you to be in my family so as you celebrate communion, you could envision God with his arms open saying, like, I want to be your dad. I'm a loving, compassionate, tender, gracious father. I'm a dad for you. Today could be the day that you step into that relationship. If you make that decision, I encourage you after the service, tell someone. Come up and tell me. I'll be in the lobby. I'd love to celebrate that with you. Uh, tell somebody who you came with. Uh, go to Walmart and tell someone. I don't know, tell a complete stranger. You've been adopted by God today, and they could be adopted. Just tell someone who God is for you. Now, before we celebrate communion, let me remind you what we're doing tonight. So tonight, we're going to go watch a movie. At least those of you who show up are going to watch this movie. So we're going to watch the movie, Show Me the Father. We've rented one of the theaters down at Epic Theaters here locally. We've rented one of their largest theaters. And this is a great movie. I watched it several weeks ago. And I thought, man, this would be an amazing ending to this series. This would be an amazing ending to this message that we're talking about today. It'll take what we've learned today to a new level. And uh, this movie walks through the importance of fatherhood in the world today. Walks through the importance of God being our loving heavenly father and how he reveals himself like that. It follows different real people and their real stories of their interactions with their dad. Some of those stories are heartbreaking. Some people don't have a great relationship with their dad. Other stories are, are inspiring. 
It's a very inspirational film. I hope that you'll be a part of it. Now, here are the details for it. So we're at Epic Theaters here in Palm Coast at 6 p.m. Now, that's when the previews start, and I don't know what the previews are, so don't complain to me after, the, after that that, why did they show that preview? I don't know what they're going to show. So just, you know, <laughs> relax. All right, so come early, okay, um, so that you can be there. Before that, it starts at 6 o'clock. The cost is ten fifty. So you just go to the window, and you tell them, um, I'm here for the epic showing of Show Me the Father at 6 p.m. Then you, you pay your ticket price. Come in. You can get your popcorn. You can find your seat. We'll have staff members around, and uh, we'll help you, uh, help you get there. I have no idea how many people will come. I don't know if we'll have 10 people or if we'll have, we can't have more than 290 people, because that's as big as the theater is. So everybody's invited, but only 290 of you can get in. So you figure that out, all right? So I hope you'll come and be a part of that with us tonight. OK. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, the Apostle Paul speaking about that first communion. He says, on the night when he was betrayed, Lord Jesus took some bread, gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people in agreement confirmed with my blood. Remember, that was a price that was paid for your life. It was a price that was paid so that you wouldn't be an orphan so that you wouldn't be lost for all of eternity, so that you and I could be a part of God's forever family. He said, do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So let's pray, and then we'll sing, and we'll celebrate communion together. Let's pray. God, you could have revealed yourself in many different ways. You could have revealed yourself as a mighty warrior. You could have revealed yourself as a just king. You could have revealed yourself like the ultimate politician. And yet, God, you chose to reveal yourself in a very personal way to us, like a father not just a father figure, not just someone who fathers over us from a distance, but like a dad who's tender, who's compassionate, who's gracious, who's merciful to us, who cares about us deeply, who wants all of us to be a part of your family. So Lord, today, there just might be someone here who doesn't have a great relationship with you. Maybe they have one, but it's been broken. Maybe they've done things they're ashamed of. Maybe they think you're angry. Maybe they're angry at you. Lord, this would be a beautiful opportunity for them to come running back to you, fall into your embrace to fix what's damaged. Lord, there just might be someone here, someone watching online who recognizes they need a relationship with you, that they want to be adopted. Lord, I'm so grateful that 
us being adopted into your family is based on what you've done for us, not based upon what we've done for you. And to be adopted, all we have to do is believe. All we have to do is accept. All we have to do is learn what it means to live in your family and to live more like Jesus. So I pray for those folks today that they would run to you and feel your warm embrace as you say to them, welcome to the family, my child. So God, this is amazing opportunities for us to celebrate communion. Remember the price that you've paid and remind ourselves that you're coming again one day. You're coming again one day soon. May we be ready for that. And may we tell other people how to be ready for that as well. In Jesus' name, amen. You are now free to celebrate communion.